The following is a fourth hand production. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Sad Times. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, I've been traveling. So uh, if you were looking for us, we were sad elsewhere on another continent. So um, thanks for uh, coming in. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen the show before, uh, it's called Sad Times. Uh, basically, um, we talk about, I have a guest on every week, and I'll introduce our guest here briefly, but uh, we talk about how we act when we're sad, what has made us sad, and what that did to us. And kind of, again, it's, it's about trying to get to some sort of an empathetic point uh, in life, because I know that myself and friends of mine I've talked to get pretty tripped up, uh, when they're sad or when they think somebody else is sad and they can't understand it. So they're trying to understand what exactly, uh, is happening. And I think if we all talked about this a little bit more, it it would lead to a little bit more openness and a little more less stress, uh, perhaps. So, uh, with that being said, we're going to bring in our guest. Uh, her name is Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi. How are you? I'm not sad. Uh, oh, well, the door's over there. All right, thank you. Uh, Kelly, how do you feel to be the second Kelly on the show? Well, I'm older, so I'm That's right, you are older. Kelly. I didn't know there was anybody older than her, but you are, yeah. Sorry about that. Now I'm sad. Yeah, now you, yeah. Uh, so I've known you for, what, two and a half years-ish? Yeah, two and a half years-ish. Uh, we worked together. I just uh, left there, but uh, and we, for how many months we sat exactly right by each other? Yeah, too many months. Yeah, two, months. Uh, eight months-ish. Felt, two, like, felt like years. Really? It felt, <laughs> it felt like it went by in a week for me. It was really great. Um, I was on the other side of you, though, so this feels. I weird. know this is weird, right? Yeah. This is like uh, when I sit by Alex, and Alex was on my left, yeah. and that that I got used to. So, um, thanks for coming on. I know that you and I have talked a lot in our life, whether it's sitting next to each other at our desk, out at a bar, wherever. Uh, we've talked about our own struggles with depression. We've talked about our own struggles with anxiety, etc. So, um, I guess we'll start with like when you when do you feel like all this stuff started to manifest itself. Like what, talk about your childhood. And, and at least for me, it all starts with my parents. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's the same with you? Absolutely. Okay. So are your parents, uh, your parents, are you the oldest, youngest? Do you have siblings? I'm the youngest. I have an older brother. Okay. Um, grew up in a very rural part of Ohio. Lucky you. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Lived in a trailer on my grandparents' farm. Really? Mm-hmm. The four of you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you had an older brother. How much older is he than you? Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did your parents get along? No. 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 They did not get along. So uh, my parents actually had a very tumultuous marriage, and uh, there was a lot of abuse, uh, physical abuse from my father and emotional and verbal abuse. So it was a, it was a tough. Like he would hit your mother? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And you saw that? Absolutely. Wow. And uh, when you, did you just, uh, this is a weird question. Like, is that something you get, you're just like, oh, that's happening now? Or is it always a traumatic type thing? Well, I think anyone uh, that grows up in, in an environment until a certain age, you just think that's how everyone is. You just assume yeah. that your situation is the normal one, right? Right. Like everybody, everybody's dad hits their mom. That's how life is. And then you, you know, go to school and make friends and find out that that's not true. 
Why would he hit her? Um, I mean, really anything would set him off. Uh, he's bipolar, undiagnosed. And so his mental health issues were not great. And then at alcohol, lack of sleep, stress, we were very poor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he would, you know, leaving the cap off the toothpaste. Talking, really? Talking back. Yeah. Hitting uh, is never about the thing that caused it. Yeah. Talk, uh, talking back. So, um, would your mother, you said the emotional abuse, would your mother give it right back? That type oh, of thing? No. No, she wouldn't. Yeah. My okay. mom was very subservient, uh, served my dad. We all walked on eggshells around him. Did, do you think this affected your brother? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so he's what, 44? He's 44. Yeah. Um, my dad was actually physically abusive to both my mom and my brother. But not to you? Uh, not to me. Okay. So he would hit your brother? Yes. And um, did you feel like you needed to protect him? I felt like I needed to protect my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much my brother. Did you, So when you felt like you needed to protect your mom and then you would see that happening, like... Well, how old were, do you remember how old you were when you first saw? Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, I'm sure it happened in front of me before I remember, but. But like your first memory. Yeah. My first memory of it was, um, my parents had a fight probably over money or, you know, something along those lines. We were, uh, it was, it was warm out. I remember that much. I was probably around four, uh, maybe five. And my mom had decided she was leaving. She's going to leave him. She's going to leave him. And she went towards the car. Uh, and he chased her across the lawn and knocked her down and, and hit her. Uh, and when she got up, she said she was leaving still. And so he took her glasses off of her face and broke them so that she couldn't drive. And were both of you watching that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were both in the front yard. And so once her glasses were broken, so I assume like she couldn't see anything without her glasses. Right. Or, so she just went back inside. Yep. Um, how long were they married? 26 years. How old were you when they got divorced? 21. 21? Yeah. Wow. So like 17 years after that happened. Yes. And who, did she leave him? Uh, no, no. He left her. He left her. Okay. Um, did you and your brother, like you would see that thing. So I know with, with my sister and I, now we didn't witness anything like that, but like when our parents would scream at each other and fight, we would talk about it together and try to fix it. Yeah, that definitely happened. Um, my brother would, um, we had bunk beds, we shared a room. Yeah, yeah. And so he would tuck blankets and like make a little fort on the bottom bunk. Uh-huh. And uh, if if it was a rough day or night, I, I would get invited into his little fort. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Um, how do you think that as you were seeing that, how do you think that that affected your behavior? I mean, for me, um, I cried a lot. I learned to quiet, to cry really quietly because everything was about not upsetting him. So, um, I would be very sad. And then, um, I was sort of used as a pacifier for my dad. So when he would get really upset and we would start to see it go down that path, I would like be put in his lap. And would that work? Yeah. Did you feel a pressure with that? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, and did both your brother and your mom do that? Like say, Kelly, get, yeah, go talk to dad. Yes. Okay. Um, but he, and then 
what, did he have a different relationship with you than he did with those two? He did. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was daddy's little girl. Um, so he didn't hit me. Um, and I was sort of his princess and like I had really long hair and I wasn't allowed to cut my hair off. And so, so what would, would you, uh, I know you, you're a pretty loquacious person. You speak a lot. <laughs> um, as a kid, did you talk a lot? Yes. I you talked did. a lot. That was how I sort of pacified him. I sat in his lap and I just talked. Just talked. And talked and talked and talked until basically he was distracted and he would calm down. And would you, would would your mom and brother just leave the room? Yes. And. Or like go quietly sit on a piece of furniture. Okay. From him. Um, and then you would talk and you were trying to make him laugh maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what would you do like in a situation where your mom, let's say they've had a fight mm-hmm. some and something physical happens, would you go to try to comfort your mom after? Yeah. So I've been mothering my mom since I was so very young. Explain what you mean by that. So uh, in a traditional family, the mom is the caretaker mm-hmm. and the one who's sort of making making sure everyone's okay and, you know, putting band-aids on boo-boos and that yeah. kind of thing. And right. uh, in my family, my mom was always the victim. So uh, I started taking care of her. And making sure she was okay. Uh, for example, she had an accident with a wood stove to heat our entire house because we were poor. Is it in the trailer? Yes, in the okay. trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was carrying wood because she had to keep it running all the time. And yeah. uh, she slipped and fell and landed with her back on the wood stove and ended up with third degree burns. Um, and went to the hospital. And Did somebody take her to the hospital or did she go? She drove... She drive herself. She drove about three miles away to the fire chief in our little town, uh-huh. and then he drove her the rest of the way to the hospital because she was trying to get to the hospital and realized she couldn't get there because so. of the awful pain. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So uh, when she came home, um, somebody needed to change her bandages about every four hours and put cream on and all of that, and so that was my job. How old were you? I was about four. Who taught you that? Did she tell you how to do it? Mm-hmm. Where was your dad? Uh, work or sleeping or at the bar. Did you go to the bar a lot? Uh, not a lot, but on his days off, yeah. Yeah. And what does he, what did he do for work? Uh, so around that time he started working in a factory. So he was a factory worker. Okay. How did your parents meet? Uh, they met at the roller skating rink. Well. In Swanton, Ohio. Tell me more. It, it's called the Swanton Coliseum. Were they like in high school? Uh, yeah, they were both in high school, different high schools. Okay. Uh, met there, had mutual friends. Uh, how old were they when they got married? Um, 18. <sighs> A little young. Well, yeah, yeah. Young. And my brother was born six months after their wedding. <laughs> Very premature, I see. <laughs> yes. He was That's a premature eight pound baby. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Man, could you imagine if he came full term? <sighs> That's a survivor right there. I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they, uh, it wasn't a marriage of uh, necessary love. choice and, yeah. and love. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, 18. What the fuck does anybody know about love? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know anything at 18. Did you, do you think that as you're taking care of your mom, let's say you're rubbing the oil mm-hmm. or uh, the, the lotion on her back, mm-hmm. sorry, and then you're bandaging every four hours, you're mm-hmm. four years old. Mm-hmm. Did you feel a stress? Yeah. I mean, looking back, I realized how stressful that was. 
Um, and it accounts for some of my other behavior around that time. Like I could sleep through anything. It was a running joke in my family, like light a match under the smoke detector. And it, I wouldn't wake up because I would sleep through anything. And clearly that was a coping mechanism. It was my escape. Yeah. Just did you just, deeply. not only did you sleep through anything, did you sleep a lot? I slept a lot. Okay. Like I would fall asleep anytime we were sitting still. And not necessarily because you were tired. It was like a way that you could turn way, the world yeah. off. Yep. It was a way to turn the world off. And then I learned how to read and that became mm. a huge escape for me. And I read voraciously just anything I'd get my hands on. Yeah. Um, did you, what did you read? I know you um, said anything, but like what yeah. were some of your favorites? So uh, when I was five i had uh dr seuss books that i just read and read and read and then uh, i read all of those uh so um my school had a library and public library and just anything i started reading above my age limit really quickly because it i went through books too fast mm -hmm. so um read all the c.s lewis oh yeah Anne of green gables mm -hmm. any like young adult i could get my hands on i was reading it wow okay and did you live around a lot of family? Yeah. So actually, uh, I grew up in a trailer um, across the driveway from my grandparents' house. Oh. And then... Sorry, which side? Mom or dad? Uh, my dad's. Dad's. Okay. And then on the other side of us was my aunt and uncle and their two kids. Uh, your cousins. Yes. And cousins. What, boys, girls? One boy and one girl. How old were they? Um, or compared to you? So, uh, the girl is nine years older than me. She's uh -huh. currently in prison for embezzlement. Embezzlement? Yeah. Do you know what she embezzled? $1.1 million from her employer. Holy shit. Yeah, it's impressive, right? I'm kind of proud of her. Uh, wow. How long did it, uh, how long is she in prison for? <sighs> I think she got like 10 years plus restitution. So she's got to pay that back. Oh yeah. She's yeah. going to be broke for the rest of her life, which I think is pretty yeah. poetic. Wow. Was it Wendy's? Uh, no, it was Haas Doors. Like garage doors. Oh, okay. Yeah. 1.1 million. Okay, so she's in prison. Yeah. How, uh, what about her brother? Uh, so her brother uh, was younger than her. He's the, He was the same age as my brother, so he's three years older than me. Uh, okay. And um, he they lived on the other side. Mm -hmm. And was this your dad's sibling's kids? Yep, my dad's sister. Now, do you know much about your dad and... His parents? Mm -hmm. Were they abusive? I don't think they were abusive uh, in the traditional sense, but uh, I can tell you that my grandparents were very hands-off. They never said, I love you. They never held hands. They never... Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, being a kid around them, it was weird that they never hugged Even you with or, you guys? Even with the grandkids? Right, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Did they show affection to each other? No. Um, they had separate bedrooms and... Yeah. Yeah. Not just separate beds like Lucy and Ricky? No, they had separate bedrooms. Bedrooms. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they probably didn't have any premature babies. No. Yeah. I'm surprised they had any babies. Really. Okay. Well, they, just the two of them? Just the two. Okay. Um, would you say that your dad was sad? Yes. Yeah. And do you think he was just frustrated that his, that he, I imagine if I was 18, uh, and I had a kid and I had to get married. I'd be, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. No, I would just be real fucking mad. Oh yeah. He, um, 
I think that's why he and I have a decent relationship now is because I'm able to sort of, I've, I've been able to talk to him about his behavior and, and my childhood. And, and he's receptive. It took a long time, but yeah, we've talked all the way through it. And um, he's let me tell him how it felt from my side. And, and he, uh, he's told me how it felt from his side. He felt very trapped. Very in the family dynamic, very frustrated, very um, like his life that he planned out was over. And yeah, um, plus the, you know, the undiagnosed mental health issues. So really there, there were times that he was extremely violent that he doesn't remember. And I believe he really doesn't remember it. Like he would just black out and get violent. So I'm jumping ahead a bit, but uh, has he ever addressed that with a medical person? Uh, With his regular doctor he's talked about it enough that he's now medicated oh that's good yeah and did you see a change in him there oh man yeah yeah uh and was your mom mentally uh yes uh so when my mom and dad divorced my mom actually ended up inpatient uh for about three weeks because your mom yeah my mom did that too yeah um when my dad left that was her whole identity. He had controlled her entire life. Mm-hmm. So when he left, she broke and actually became like catatonic. Like nobody could speak to her? Like lights on, nobody home. Like her eyes were opening. She was living and functioning, but like. And that's when she went into the, the hospital. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a classic um, abusive relationship scenario. Yep. And does it frustrate you when you hear when people say, well, why don't you just leave? Oh so frustrating yeah it's so frustrating it's yeah it's it's such conditioning to get into a situation like that um and i i know that from experience i got myself into one of them yeah we're gonna get to that um spoiler alert so um wow okay i just can't believe that their marriage lasted that long yeah um i i Funny memory. Uh, when I was eight, I heard um, that country song um, about divorce. D I V. Oh yeah, yeah. Tamo Annette. Yeah. So I heard that song, and I was like eight years old, and I was like, and I ran home after hearing it and told my mom, "There's a song with this thing that you should get, mom. It's called a D I V O R C E." Is that real? Really? Yes. Yes. What did she say? I was like, she sounds so happy. Uh, and my mom was like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Was, you should get one of those. That's that funny. That, <laughs> my family took one family vacation. Ah. And during the vacation, I asked my mom. I was eight. I said, are you same age, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I hadn't heard that song that I recall, but I knew what a divorce was. I didn't know until that song. Okay. My mom had to explain to me what it was. So I asked my mom, are you and dad going to get a divorce? I don't know. I was on the trip. We got home from our one family vacation. They got a divorce. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's when that's I learned that fun me. was not the way to go. All right. Well, yeah. Tammy Wynette taught me about divorce. I'm dead. That's a really great story. Right? So you lived among family. Yep. Um, did you did you find solace in your grandparents or your cousins or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, um, the way that I was raised, we lived on a farm. Um, if it was not pouring rain out, you were outside. Yeah, yeah. So you went to school, you came home, you put your play clothes on, you went outside. Yeah. Um, in the summertime, you got up, you had breakfast, you went outside. Mm-hmm. It was 
We didn't sit around watching TV or anything like that. We went outside. So, um, I spent a lot of time with my cousins. I was the youngest of the four of us. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time with my cousins and my brother and, you know, we caught snakes and played in the creek and. Did you find a good release? Did you enjoy that? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we built snow forts and like, yeah, it was a great time as a kid, I think, but, um, wasn't all rosy. What do you mean? So, um, if you haven't figured this out, my this runs in my family. So, uh, my cousin. And premature babies. And premature babies. Yeah. Eight premature babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, okay. I didn't that one. Uh, so, uh, my cousin, Michael, um, who's now dead. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not. Okay. Uh, was three years older than me. He uh, sexually abused me from about four to seven ish. Um, so that was added stress to everything else. How did that stop? So it stopped because uh, my grandfather witnessed it finally, and oh, um, we moved away. Oh, family homestead. You got away from that. So your your did your parents know about it then? Yeah. So uh, everyone was everyone found out about it at that point, and then we were we moved into a house about three miles away. About a month later. Uh did you? So you didn't really see them anymore? Oh no, I saw them all the time. Did you talk to anybody about it? No, no. Um, we didn't talk about it as a family. Uh, the first time I told someone I was in high school, I told my best friend. Uh, and I told her I thought I was crazy because I had these memories that I wasn't even sure were true. What did she or he say? Have you talked to your parents? And I was like, no. But they knew it happened. Yeah. But it was just, we're moving and it was not brought up. Right. Did you feel ashamed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was... It was very much treated like it was uh, a mutual. Um, oh, like you're both were at fault? Yeah, like we were both in trouble. Oh, we need to get them away from each other because yep. they can't play nice yep. or something? Uh, yeah. Did that make you mad? No, it made me ashamed. It made me sad. I, I thought. You had messed up. I had broken up the family. Yeah. Have you talked to your parents about it to this day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like. I talked to my mom about it right after I told my friend and I, we were in the car and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm having these memories and I I don't know if it's real. Yeah. And it's freaking me out a little bit. Uh, and I told her about it and she said, yeah, that, that happened. And I said, I remember it being my fault. And she was like, it's not your fault. And I was like, but, but I got like, I got in trouble. That's why you thought it was your fault. Like, can I ask you, and I'm sorry if it's yeah. too much, when it occurred, before your grandfather found out about it, mm-hmm. when it occurred, did you think when it was over it was your fault? Or you just thought it was normal? No, I thought it was my fault. Why? Well, because my cousin told me it was my fault. And then he told me if I told anyone, he would like hurt our grandparents. And How did he die? Killed himself. How old was he? Twenty-eight ish. So when you were about twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He uh, 
He got out of prison. What did he go to prison for? Rape, shockingly. Uh, and then uh, got out of prison, uh, impregnated a 15-year-old mentally handicapped girl. And then? And then when his children were taken away at the hospital, he killed himself. Uh, triplets. He impre- she had tri- triplets? Yep. So I have to ask you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's something as traumatic as all of this. Yeah. And I might be skipping ahead. How are you able to speak about this so well? Um, so I went to therapy on and off from like 15, 16 years old. Um, went to family therapy and then went to talk therapy as an adult in my 20s. And Sorry, then, can I interrupt? Yeah. Family therapy, like the four of you went together? No, just my mom and I. Uh, was there an attempt to bring your mom and, or excuse me, your dad and your brother in? No. Was, well, yes, but the therapy is uh, witchcraft or, you know, it's something. It's, it's useless. It's pointless. It's What about those drugs he's on now? Uh, they help him sleep. Oh, well, isn't that nice? I like sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how that's how his doctor talked to me. Is sleep. he on wait, what's the what's the is it Humera? No, what's the He was on Zoloft. Uh, Ooh, he didn't I don't like, like that one. Yeah, I'm with you um, down on that one. So he kept going off of it and then going back on it. I did that off. too. I threw up a lot and I was real moody. <sighs> he was it yeah, it made him worse for a little while. And then uh he's on he's on the same drug I am now. Uh do you mind sharing? Effexor. Effexor. Is it effective? It's effective. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a balancing drug. It's a mood balance drug. So is, is that an SSRI or no? I don't know. Okay. okay. I don't think it is. I think it's. I don't think it different. is either. Because I'm on it Prozac. Has a little yeah. bit of epinephrine in it. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it helps regulate serotonin, but it's not a serotonin booster. Yeah. Okay. So it's different than Prozac. I know that. How long have you been on Effexor? Whew. Uh, 20 years. Really? Yeah. That long? Okay. So when you started going, you started as family therapy with you and your mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure medication wasn't in discussion that no. it was, was it a, to address something specific or just to? Yeah. Um, so my mom and I had always been really close and I had been mothering her. Uh, and um, in my teen years, I decided that I hated her and everything was her fault. I'm I'm pointing at you because this is the exact same thing that happened with me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, that's that's normal in abusive homes uh, because I felt like, you know, you're my mom. You should have saved me. You should have taken care of me. You should have protected me. Mm-hmm. All of this bad stuff happened to me, and it's your fault. Yeah. And just to be clear, I, I wasn't abused. Uh, I, I My frustration was from taking care of her and then growing up and then it, it, whatever. Yeah. Right. So... Um, Real fast, we had any questions over there, Dan? No? No, we got him cool saying Zoloft made him nauseous as well. Yeah. It's uh, a rough one. Zoloft's terrible. Um, okay, so you started with your mom and 15, 16. Yep. How long did the two of you guys go? Like two years, two or three years. Yeah. And it worked uh, as far as our relationship improving. That's really good, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we stopped going, and at 18, I moved out. Where'd you move? Uh, so I moved about 20 miles away into Toledo. 
Oh, the big city. The big city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to see and, me, they had to come into town. So they probably didn't do that much. Into town. Yeah. So uh, did you, you had graduated high school, I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you going to school in Toledo? Uh, I was actually going to school in Bowling Green. Is that in Cleveland? <laughs> no, Bowling Green is west of Toledo. How far? Uh, like 20 miles. What were you studying? I was studying, um, I was a fine art major. I was going to ask you for a little piece of levity because this has been awful. Uh, it's pretty bad. So, yeah, fine art's good. <laughs> yeah. Is, it, is that? <laughs> I don't know what I was planning to do with that. Uh, what is fine art be exactly? A famous you, artist. It was like paint, like painting, or wait, yeah, you didn't I, do I like took, performance art, did no, you? Oh God, okay. No, yeah. no um, I took um, drawing classes and sculpture and um, painting and uh, yeah. Um, and did you get your degree in fine art? <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. no. Uh, it's just a passion. Yeah, I mean, I so, have an easel and some paints at home. It's, do you really? Yeah, yeah, it's a hobby. Do you? Um, what do you like to paint? Um, dogs. Scenery. Your dog? Yeah. Does he stay still? For no, that? I do it from no. photos. Oh, okay. I was gonna say it'd uh, just be a big black and brown blur. Yeah. Because he just wants to be hugged. Yeah, he just wants to walk around and sit on your feet. And yeah. so you mentioned earlier a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you meet? this fella so uh the my first husband um was, okay so you got married yeah was my dad's friend actually he was nine years older than me he was your dad's friend yeah were they like drinking buddies yep really yep that so i have a friend who that's exactly how his mom and dad met mm-hmm. and spoiler alert didn't work out no mm. so uh wait a minute did your dad like it did you just know him because he was around? So I knew him because he was around, and then he and my dad actually had a falling out. Well, do you think that then you're like, I'm going to show him, and I'm going to go with this guy? Really? Totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you met him? Or when, maybe when you started dating? When I started dating, I was 27. Okay. Yeah, 27. And how much? how long had you known him? I'd known him since I was like 10. Was that weird? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so he was 36 at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long did you guys date? Uh, we dated for two years. Yeah. And then you got married, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what, how'd that go? <laughs> well, he's my ex-husband. So, oh. Um, so it was, it's funny. Uh, it, it, goes back to something you said earlier, which is people say, like, why don't you just leave? Um, abuse is conditioning. It's it's. Explain what you mean by that. So when we first met and started dating, I was, you know, I was right all the time. I was smart. I was independent. He liked my strong will. He liked that I was outspoken. Um, we laughed a lot. And then when our relationship became more serious, it started moving away from that into, like, a you know, we would leave somewhere and he would say, I can't believe you said that. That was so embarrassing. I can't believe you. The same thing like he was that. just praising you about mm-hmm. a couple months before. Yep. Okay. And so gradually, um, sort of breaking me down from who I was when we met to who he thought I was supposed to be. And you said when it was more serious, but it was before you got married. Yes, it was before. So I guess often 
it's like after you've gotten married, but he did that before you got married. Yeah. And, but when you married him, uh, were you happy? I mean, on my wedding night, I hung out with John and Craig. Your two friends? Yeah. Where the hell was he? Uh, he bed. being your husband. He was in bed? <laughs> well, he's old. Yeah, we got married in Vegas. Uh, uh, so okay. we went out on the town. Um, how, how old was he when he got married? So 38-ish? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. like next week for me. Yeah, that's uh, pretty bad. You just hung out with, and John and Greg were a couple then? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's your way of saying you weren't happy. I mean, I knew I shouldn't have married him. Why'd you marry him? Um, because I was 30 and all of my friends were married and. That's what you do. It's what you do. Do you ever get frustrated by that conditioning? Yes. And I, and not to use the term conditioning as far as abuse, but the conditioning of society. Yeah, to where say, it's like, oh, you're 30 and single. Like you need to get married. Talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like clearly there's something wrong with you. If somebody hasn't married you by the time you're 30. Yeah. Yeah. That frustrates the hell out of me. Yeah. Because I used think. to be, when I was a kid, I thought of marriage and I was like, by 22, I'll be married mm-hmm. and I'll be having, you know, kids yeah. and stuff. That's how we're like brought up to feel like that's the normal, right? Like that's, that's how it's supposed to be. Like when I have a family, when I have a kids, when I have, yeah. 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 Um, wow. Okay. So you got married. Mm-hmm. Did you guys plan on having kids? No. Um, actually, uh, I wouldn't set a wedding date until I got a vasectomy. <laughs> well, I, welcome back, everybody, to really fucking <laughs> sad times. Uh, wow, okay. Yeah. And was he resistant at first? No, he has three children. Oh, I didn't know that. So you were a stepmother? Yes. Did you like his kids? Yeah, I good. love them. Yeah. Do you talk to them at all still? No. No, I'm sorry. We did not part on good terms, so. Okay. Uh, how long were you married? Six years. Yeah, six years. So he was drinking buddies with your dad. Yeah. Would you say he was similar to your dad? Mm, yeah, I married my dad for sure. Did you realize that at the time? No, not it, at all. It was like it was like a rebellion against your dad because yeah. your dad wasn't talking to totally. him. Totally. Yeah. Did your dad come to your wedding? Mm-hmm. He did. Were yeah. they? Did they make up? They did. That's. They're still friends today. Oh. <laughs> so occasionally, my ex-husband pops up at family events. Wait, he comes to family events? Yeah. I haven't told you about this. No. What oh, do you yeah. mean? He comes to family events. He comes to family events with his new wife. Yeah. Has he met your current husband? Yeah. Has he? Oh yeah, several times. That's weird. <laughs> So there's a good chance whenever you go back home to the to Ohio. Yeah, I run into him. You'll see him. Yeah. Are you guys cordial? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Just like hi. Yeah, hi. we say hi and you know, how you doing? Yeah. Okay. So um were were you both uh you guys both worked? Mm-hmm. Um and in an abusive relationship were you what what happened with the money? Um, so that was part of the abuse. I've learned since then that it's actually, there's a term for it's financial abuse, uh, where, what is that? So I wasn't allowed to have access to our credit cards. Um, I was, um, every dime I spent was monitored and we talked about it. 
So um, I wasn't allowed to have cash. Everything had to be on the debit card. And then every day he would review all the transactions. And then every day, every day. And then uh, he would, I would be in trouble basically for like, we packed a lunch and you went to Chipotle and spent seven fifty. What's wrong with you? And what would you, how would you react to that? I went to lunch. Like I, I work all day too. It's my yeah. money too, but it wasn't, it was, and it was more trouble to deal with him than it was to just not spend money. So you think that's just another way of control? It was absolutely a form of control. So what you put up with that. So what led to you guys finally splitting up? Um, so it was definitely going downhill. Um, I had come to realize that he was acting more like my father than my partner. Uh, and I was having to ask him permission to like go hang out with my friends and I was getting in trouble if I didn't get home on time. And like, like you had a curfew type of thing. Yeah. Kind of. That's, that's what it felt like. Yeah. And I was like, this is not healthy. Um, and we were fighting a lot and, um, I was really unhappy and, um, I was afraid he was sort of moving towards violence. I was starting to see like he actually drew back a couple times and he never actually hit me, but like I could see it was there. Like it was the, the potential was there. And I thought, okay, this is really bad because I told him like, if you ever hit me, we're done. That's there's no coming back from that. Yeah. Um, and then I had a, I had a really strong opinion that we should not have guns in the house. Like he had hunting rifles, but they had trigger locks and they were in the closet and you know, they were for hunting. So, but I said, no guns in the house. And, um, he went out and bought a handgun and kept what was it the in reasoning? our, uh, it was a his good, reasoning. It was a good deal. <laughs> it's a good deal. It's a good deal. Couldn't he have bought like, I don't know, a Nintendo. He it. Oh, okay. So, uh, he kept it in our bedroom loaded. And I was like, dear God, this man's going to kill me. You thought that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was him exerting even more control. And with the, I don't know, with opportunity for violence. And then this loaded guns now in the most intimate space in the house. So how long after that did you leave? Uh, like, less than two weeks I was out. So for anybody who's been in a relationship like that mm -hmm. and, and what we discussed earlier, mm -hmm. right? It's, yeah. you can't just leave. It's how so, hard. so you had, tell me how it was hard. So, um, when I talk about conditioning for abuse, it's really about like small things that, that add up. Um, they isolate you from your family and friends. They cut off your support network. They cut off your finances. Mm -hmm. uh, they make you doubt yourself where you don't trust your, your abilities or your own opinions or judgment anymore. So you feel like you can't function without that person. You feel like you need that person to take care of you and to help you because clearly you're helpless and you can't function in, in the world. How were you able to fix like, and maybe not articulate it this well, but how could you get to that spot to know that that's what was going on? I mean, I kind of knew it in the back of my head because I, I'd been thinking a lot about it and I kind of knew what was happening and that I was being conditioned and that I was in an abusive relationship. Um, 
And I thought, you know, this isn't going to end well. And then when the gun came in, I was like, oh, I know how this story ends. And that was really the wake up call to say, like, I've let him control me emotionally and all of my behavior and my friends and relationships and all of that. But he's not he doesn't get to hit my life. That's was there. Resi- I mean, I'm sure. Uh, what was his reaction when you left? Oh, I moved out in the middle of the day while he was at work. You just okay. I had 10 of my friends descend upon the house. Get all your shit. We like, had pre-sorted yeah. every room and what was coming with me. And while they loaded the house, I went to the bank and took half our money. And then I blocked him from being able to contact me and moved into an apartment I'd rented that he didn't know about. Same town? Mm-hmm. Uh, how long till you heard or talked to him? Um, he tried and tried and tried to contact me, which I figured he would, but I blocked him. Uh, my dad actually called me to say that Kenny had called him. How long was this after you had left? Uh, it was like an hour after I got home from work. Okay. Um, and obviously you're divorced. So we went to uh, couples therapy, marriage counseling and, uh, our marriage counselor, we, we had our first visit together. Mm-hmm. And then in my first solo visit, because you go like as a couple and then you go solo and then yeah. you go as a couple. Um, my first solo visit, our counselor said, you need to get out of this relationship. Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then in our, in our next session together, he was like, neither of you are willing to do what it would take to make this marriage work. So you should probably just get divorced. And then it went from there. Yeah. Um, oh, and I filed for divorce before I left. Man, you, well. So he got served the day that I left. Like at home. Mm-hmm. Like when he got home from work and all half the shit was gone. And uh, I guess if he's fucking monitoring your goddamn finances, he's going to see that. Yeah, I had to borrow gone. money to like. Yeah. Get the apartment before I left and everything. Yeah. That's really amazing that that's. It's really hard. And without my family and support system that I had, I couldn't have done it. So that's the other thing when people say like, why don't you just leave? Like you need a whole, you need an army of people to help you get out of a situation like that. And the whole point of abuse is cutting you off from a support system that can rescue you. So how did you stay in contact with them? Or did you kind of re re reconnect with them? No, I mean, these are all my friends. I kept them through the marriage, but just, I wasn't able to be as close with Did them. Did he look at your phone? Yes. I've never understood that. Oh, and when the Ashley Madison data dump happened, his email was in it. <laughs> <laughs> this was after you were... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is you, after we were divorced. Yeah, I was but, like, mm, of course it is. Was that like post online? You could see who... Yeah, you could just like go to a search Wait a minute. Thing. Just be honest with me. Is your ex-husband a dugger? He is not. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that about 20 years ago you went on effects, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take it still today. Uh, can you talk about EMDR? Yeah. So um, I've been in and out of talk therapy since I was 15. So we're talking 15 to 40. Like that's a long time to talk about it. And you switch therapists and, you Mm -hmm. know, 
you just have to tell the same sad story over and over. And it's really hard to start with a new therapist because man, it's like you gotta six lay months. all that groundwork. Yeah, it's like the beginning of a novel, okay, and yeah. it's like, come and on, it's like you have to lay out all your trauma and just be like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I was abused. Yeah. Physical abuse in my childhood. Like you have to put all your cards on the table, and it's. And uh, it got to a point where I'd, I'd gone through this so many times with different therapists that I was like, I'm tired of talking about it. I'm just tired. And every time I talk about it, like I get the physical feeling, like the tight chest and heart rates up and flush face and like shakes and you feel it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, I'm just tired of that. And I felt ashamed of my past and all the things that had happened to me and not everything I've been through. And it was hard to talk about it. So I did some research online and I found, I, I actually Googled solution based therapy. I was like, there's gotta be someone who's figured out how to just make it end. Okay. Solution. That's a great Google. It's a real thing too. Uh, EMDR is did- considered a solution based therapy. Yeah. I just started hearing about this stuff mm-hmm. like a year or two ago. Yeah. So Essentially, uh, EMTR, it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And so you take all of your bad trauma cards and you you lay them out, but you don't talk about how it makes you feel. Okay. Like you're like, okay, this happened. And then you like make a timeline with your therapist of like all the traumatic events. Mm-hmm. And you try to be as specific as you can. Like how old were you? Um, was it in the spring or fall or summer? Uh, and then you go back to your timeline and you talk about how those, how those events make you feel physically. Sweaty palms, tight chest, mm-hmm. headache, flushing. Like what, what physical symptoms do you get? Um, and then you do uh, eye movement, either with a light bar or with sound. Uh, some do it with hand taps. And why eye movement? So there's some scientific evidence that moving your eyes back and forth um, actually stimulates both sides of your brain at the same time. So uh, if you want to try it, when you walk into a room and you realize that you don't remember why you're in that room, you know, everybody's done that. I do that daily. Right. You walk into the kitchen and you're like, what's I in here for? Really fast, move your eyes back and forth. And then you'll be like, ah, Yeah cake batter it'll come to you yeah yeah i've never went anywhere for so cake batter. so it's <laughs> sorry <laughs> gross yeah isn't that why gross? would you eat cake i batter? don't know well i lonely <laughs> <laughs> okay okay uh, sorry <laughs> it's okay lonely. um so there's some scientific evidence that it sort of fires both sides of your brain simultaneously when you do that uh-huh and so the the thought is that you list your traumatic event you do the eye movement either with a light bar or with sound uh we did headphones and so you'd hear noise that's what i uh, yes and you would move your eyes back and forth and that helps you your brain process it mm-hmm. because in traumatic events we don't necessarily process it right it we, sort of gets locked in your brain in the age where it happened so like a lot of the trauma that i had was in early childhood so when it would come up, I would feel like a four-year-old. Okay. Yeah. And so you're reprocessing it through the filter that you have today. If I know now, you know, then what I know now kind of thing. 
And how long did the, the EMDR take? Uh, it took me about a year from start to finish. Okay. I really liked my therapist. And then while you're doing the eye movement therapy and you're focusing on one of your events, um, you talk about your physical feelings. Like, my chest is really tight, my hands are sweaty, I'm shaky. Um, and then you, you focus on those feelings instead of the event. And eventually it's like desensitization. You're, it's like exposure therapy. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Um, so you just mm. focus on it and it gets easier and yeah. it gets easier and it gets easier. Right. And so, um, yeah, when it was over, I would feel really worn out and tired. And then I would have crazy yeah. dreams that night. Like oh, yeah. it kind of opens your brain up in weird ways. So I would have super like not bad dreams, not nightmares, just like vivid, vivid, really active, really. Strange. Would it be about the same stuff or just not necessarily your normal weird ass dreams where yeah. you're going into a room for cake batter, right? For cake batter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, how old were you when you did that? 30. I started when I went through my divorce. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you take a factor. Mm -hmm. How do you deal? Uh, I know you get sad. I mean, we all do, but I know that sometimes you get really sad. Yeah. What do you do when you get really sad? Oh, well, um, I'm pretty sarcastic. What? And sometimes borderline mean about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get meaner. Like my sarcasm gets pointier and I say more hurtful things. And do you think that's, uh, obviously you recognize that. Do you, do you recognize it when you're doing it? I usually recognize it as soon as it comes out of my mouth and I'm like, because you feel bad doesn't mean other people need to feel bad. Yeah. And uh, like, I'll recognize it and okay, pull back. Like this is about you not about the person you're talking to. Yeah. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a good observation. I, I, and I apologize. Like, yeah, it's, but do you, um, other than that, like if you're alone, what yeah. do you do? So, um, when I get really sad, uh, in fact, the last time that I went off of Fexer and went back on, um, I hide in my house. I'm really gregarious. I'm, very, I'm an extrovert. I love yeah. being out and about and talking mm -hmm. to people and meeting people. And I'll talk to anyone. I make friends when I go up to the bar to get a drink and bring back to the table. Sure. Like, yeah. Uh, but when I'm really sad, I'll stay at home and hide and close my blinds and stay in bed and not shower for days and miss work and... Um, and when you don't want to get out of bed, is it, I guess I'm assuming you don't want to get out of bed. I don't um, want to get out of bed. Do you feel shame about that? Yeah. I feel like, you know, why can't I just get up and function like everybody else in the world? Why can't like, I, you gotta get up and go to work. This is what you do. This is how the world is. This is what, this is what's expected of you. And I there think, are just days I can't. And I think that is much more common, uh, than people admit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's. Uh, I know many people who to a degree have that. Um, so it's, it's good to hear that from you that you're so candid about it. It's amazing. And I hear people talk about like, ah, depression, like, ah, get over it. And you just like, yeah. Power through. Ah. Yeah. And I'm like, get some medicine to help you sleep. Yeah. Like your dad. <laughs> yeah. It'll okay. help you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But it's, you know, even with medication, it's still a chronic medical condition I suffer from. So yep. there are still days, even medicated, where I'm just like, can't do it today. Do you feel like, I feel a big emptiness in the front of my head when I'm feeling really down. Do I you feel, uh, I get like disassociation. Like, I don't feel like I'm in my body. I feel like. I'm, do you feel like you're watching it? No, I just feel like I'm really far away. Okay. Like, I feel very detached from everything. and So you kind of are. are uh, indifferent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, pets know. So like Otto will come up and want to cuddle with me and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't even care. And that's what I know. Like it's, I'm having trouble. Wow. So you, you know, when you're like, Oh no. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the thing that I got out of therapy more than anything is like self-awareness and trusting myself to know, how I'm doing. Yeah. Knowing your own. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. Uh, and I'll call off work if I need to mm -hmm. and spend the whole day in bed and I'll say I'm sick. I, I am, but like yeah. you can't call in with depression. Right. Like you can, but that's not how, so like, you know, I'll say I don't feel well, which is true. I'm not lying. I don't feel well. Yeah. But I don't feel well because my brain isn't processing today and, I just need to be alone in my apartment. How long did it take you to get to a point where you could just do that? Like allow that to be okay. It took a long time because, um, I would go to work and like cry the entire way to work. And then like, well, it's cause you were on the blue line. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, no, this is when I was driving to work. Oh, cause um, you're on the Kennedy. Yes. Yes, the Dan Ryan. It was really. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, no, it was when I was in Toledo. Okay. Um, so not terrible traffic to be. Yeah. To be fair, and I would just cry, and and then I would get to the parking lot, and I would park my car, and I'd like clean myself up and go to work, and I'm like, this is But the feeling normal. wouldn't the feeling wouldn't leave you. Yeah. You would just put on a happy face. Yeah. 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 And now you don't feel the need to do that. Mm -mm. No. Um. Well, we're running out of time. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I have to thank you very much because um, that was a lot. Yeah. And I, I want to know because you are somebody who I look up to and somebody who I've worked with pretty closely, like we said, for the last, at least for the last year. Uh, and you are somebody who is very um, uh, gregarious. You're somebody who's very uh, outward, very um, talkative and social. How having gone through all that you've gone through, what is, what are some big takeaways that have helped you get to where you are knowing that you still have to work on stuff? I mean, you have to face it. You have to, like, I know a lot of people have had a lot of trauma in their lives and they're just like, yeah, I just don't talk about it. And I'm like, that's never going to make you okay. Like my brother is still there. Yeah. He doesn't talk about it. He actually denies a lot of it happened and it's meaning the abuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he just told me like last year, like, oh, dad never hit me. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? what? Uh, so, you know, face it, own it and try to get away from being ashamed of it. It's, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be a success story or a victim or a survivor, or any of that shit. I just want to be me. Yeah. But you have to like drag all your skeletons out of the closet and. Do you feel that you... And look at them. And how long did it take you to be able to do that? So long. Yeah. So long. 
And if talk therapy doesn't work, it doesn't work. Find something else. There's yeah. so much out there now. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. This was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Real uplifting. I had a really, I just, could we just do it again without the cameras? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll go to the bar. Uh, okay. That sounds good. Um, no, but seriously, thank you. Um, I, I know, uh, that was not easy or maybe it was now. I don't know, but that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it was really amazing, uh, that you were able to share all that and be so open about it. So thank you very much. Um, and thanks everybody for watching. Hopefully, uh, um, it was a, a good episode and, um, uh, for you guys. And again, thanks to Kelly. Uh, so we're, we're going through like a flux. We've got some new producers in the back of the room over there. Um, one of them also doesn't like Zoloft. So, uh, he's really on board now. Um, or effects or effects <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we're figuring out when we're going to be doing, but we're still looking at Thursdays at eight o'clock. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated, but thank you guys so much for watching Kelly. Thanks again for being here and uh, we'll see you soon. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.